Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. I'm super pumped today about Back to School Sunday, and I'm super pumped about uh, the Word that God has given me. Um, We have a couple of things that we want to do before we jump into that. Uh, First of all, this is week two of Pastor Daniel's sabbatical and um, we committed as a church body to pray for him, and so I would like to uh, join together and pray as a church body to remind you um, sabbatical uh, for us this year, and I took mine earlier in the year, um, sabbatical for us is a time to, to separate ourselves for the purpose. Amen? The Bible calls that sanctification. We're separating ourselves unto the purpose of God. And so what, what the purpose of this is, is so that we can reconnect with God, so that we can get fresh vision, spiritual renewing, ready to propel ourselves into 2022. All right? And so that's what this is for. So we committed to pray. Let's join together and pray today. Father God, we just thank you today for Pastor Daniel and Pastor Susan. God, we thank you for the obedience to the call and their faithfulness. So God, I ask you today that during this time that is especially set aside to focus on you, God, we join together and we pray today that you will speak to their hearts, that wisdom and understanding will be imparted unto them through your spirit. God, that supernatural peace, supernatural rest, supernatural joy will come into their lives in Jesus' name. God, that they will gain direction for the next season that we're going into. God, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right, I have this awesome report to give. So Pastor Daniel does these, um, these meetings, um, town meetings in um, Pakistan. We're good. Um, has these ta- but thank you so much for keeping me on task. Um, he has these, these uh, town meetings that, that he does in, in Pakistan via uh, Skype. And these happen about once a month. Um, and usually uh, I'm on the other side of the camera, and I know that Dylan um, has worked really hard to, to help with some of those. And um, so this week on Friday, I got to do my first one because Pastor Daniel is out on sabbatical, and I got to do my very first Pakistan broadcast. Um, and so it's kind of surreal, and I had seen it, but it's a little weird because you stand in front of this camera, and then they've got a camera focused on the audience. And so we've got... Um, the, these people that, um, that are from Pakistan, obviously, they're, they're, they're sitting on the ground, and, and just as far as you can see, I don't know how many people are there, a lot of people are there, and, uh, and they're ready to receive the word of God. So these are people that, that most of the time, uh, most of them have grown up Muslim. 
And so we're ministering unto them, and we've been instructed uh, by, by the boots on the ground there and, and uh, the, the pastor, John David, there, that, that uh, he wants us to speak on, uh, on evangelism or speak on, on salvation, and then he wants us to, uh, to give a healing invitation. And so we're so honored to do that and to be a part of that. So this week, 7 a.m., um, we begin to broadcast. Jasmine and I uh, begin to broadcast. We had 98 people come to Christ that day. Isn't that awesome? 98 people received Christ. Not only that, but when we prayed for the sick, how many know that even though laying hands on the sick is biblical, that I believe that the power of prayer doesn't have any distance? Amen? And so if you're watching on the other side of the camera today, the power of prayer has no distance because Friday, on the other side of the world, we had a call via Skype, and I prayed for the sick, and through the power of God, not because of me at all, but the power of God, 73 people had confirmed testimonies of healings. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. A couple of very specific. There was a tumor that a lady had that disappeared by the power of God. There was an intense stomach pain where somebody couldn't stand up physically, and that was healed instantly by the power of God. Chest pain gone instantly by the power of God. A very high fever was gone instantly, broke instantly by the power of God. Amen? Praise God. Don't tell me God doesn't do miracles today. Amen? Hallelujah. I wanted to touch just real quick on something that Pastor Daniel touched on a couple of weeks ago as well. And sometimes we hear of reports of what God's doing in other parts of the world, and we think, well, how come God doesn't do that here? How come God doesn't do those kind of things in America? And some people will say, well, they're, they're more hungry for the word of God or whatever. And, and here's what I have to say about that. You know, I, I believe that God heals because he loves. Amen. He heals us because he loves. It doesn't have anything to do with, with our actions or things that we've done. And, and honestly, I believe that God loves the people in the United States as much as he loves the people in Pakistan, as much as he loves the people in Guatemala and, and the people in the Philippines and the people in, in Russia and, and you name the place, right? I believe that God loves people. And so if God heals because he loves and if signs follow the teaching and the preaching of the word of God, then I believe that sometimes we're in a place where we need a miracle. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I've been there where I've needed a miracle. And when I've needed a miracle, God comes through. He doesn't let me down. But just like, if you'll remember, the children of Israel, as they're walking around after they've been freed from Egypt, right? They go uh, to Egypt. We're actually going to talk about that a little bit today in the message, but, but they're free. The ten plagues and, and the angel of death passes over, and, and they're free, right? Cross over the Red Sea into, into the desert. Well, once they're in the desert, they're wandering around, and they're hungry, and they don't have any food. And God begins to miraculously bring them manna from heaven. That manna falls down from heaven, and they eat, but whenever they crossed over into the promised land, there was no more manna because manna wasn't needed anymore. See, every day there was a miracle. But once they crossed over into the promised land, they didn't need that anymore because they had gotten to a place where they weren't living miracle to miracle to miracle. They were receiving the goodness of God every moment of every day in their life in the promised land. I believe that God's best for us is not to live from miracle to miracle to miracle. See, when we said in, in this service, I'm not saying that there aren't any of you that don't need a miracle. 
Because there may be some of you in here right now that need a miracle, whether it be in, in your body, you're sick in your body, or maybe it be a financial miracle or, or a relationship miracle, a restoration miracle, a job miracle, whatever it may be. Maybe you need a miracle today. But I know that in my life I've purposed it. Anytime I needed a miracle, I've asked God, okay, thank you so much for performing the miracle in my life. But how do I get to a place where I walk in your abundance and I don't need the miracle? Amen? See, these people are just coming to God. They don't know anything about God. 98 of them received Christ. And he said, I'm going to show up right now, and I'm going to heal. And he began to heal because he loves. But he also began to teach. See, signs follow the teaching of the word. And so as the word of God goes forth, what I spoke on was how much God loves you. Because if you begin to understand how much God loves you, then you begin to understand that he doesn't want me to get sick and then need a miracle. He just wants me to walk in healing. Amen? Sometimes we need a miracle. There's no shame in need a miracle. And God is there. But then he begins to teach us so that we can grow, so that we can get past the place where in that moment we needed a miracle. Amen? Does that make sense? Praise God. So thank you, God, right, that we have the opportunity to sit under the teaching of the Word of God and to grow and to learn and to be strengthened. Amen? Praise God. And thank God for the opportunity that those 73 people that received a miracle are now sitting under the teaching of the Word of God. Amen? Praise God. And they can walk in the fullness of what God has for them. Hallelujah. Well, I know that we've already received our offering today, but one request that came out of, uh, out of Pastor David um, for Pakistan is they distribute tons of Bibles in Pakistan in their language. And um, so one request that came, and Pastor Daniel has mentioned this to you before, um, they're almost out of Bibles, they need some more Bibles. And so we can buy Bibles to distribute to Pakistanis for $6 per Bible, okay? And so if you would like to give to that, 100% goes right to them, and they uh, provide Bibles for people. Um, I believe that the Word of God is powerful. And so I believe that $6 is a worthwhile investment. Amen? Praise God. Pray, pray and ask God. Do what you can, and uh, we're going to invest in the lives of uh, the, the wonderful people in Pakistan. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to do this morning before we get into the Word of God is um, we had a prayer request come in yesterday um, from uh, our, our friend Celia, and Celia is back here today. Um, she asked that we pray for um, that we pray for her grandson. I'm sorry, I was looking at my notes to make sure I had it right. Um, that we pray for her grandson um, having some testing on his lungs and um, that we pray for, um, for his mother too. And so, um, no, I'm sorry, not his mother, but for Mariah, right? Did I get that correct? His mother, okay, I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to make sure I had it right. So um, could we join together as a, the body of Christ, as family, and pray today, amen? Father God, we just pray right now for Brian, we pray for Mariah in the name of Jesus, God, that your healing power and your healing touch would go to them in Jesus' name. God, we know that you have provided healing for us through the broken body of Jesus. And so we lay claim today to what is ours on the cross through the price that Jesus paid. 
We ask for peace in this difficult time going for tests. We know that your report is that we're healed. And so we join together. We hold up our family today. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. As you go about your week, continue to pray for them. God knows all the details and all the situations. Isn't it awesome that we don't have to know those details? God knows them. Amen? And so even the things that we don't know, even the things that we can't know, God knows. Amen? Hallelujah. So we are talking today about being known. We're talking today about being known. And so when we, we put this down on the calendar, um, the, the title was Impact Education. And um, we were going to talk about the, the seven mountains of influence that God has called us to, the seven areas of impact. And one of those areas is education. I believe that God has called Christians to rise up in the area of education. Amen? I believe that. But God began to move in a different direction um, over the course of the last two weeks in my heart. And we're going to talk about being known today. But I believe this that if we're not, can somebody do me a favor, on that, that top thermostat, maybe Andrea right there, there's a fan, if you'll just turn it to off, and the reason why is I stand right here, you hear that? It's crazy. All right. Thank you so much. So I believe that God has called us to impact these areas, but if you know that you're known, and what do I mean by that? If you know that you're known in heaven, if you know that your name is on the tip of God's tongue, if you know that you're known, then you know who stands behind you. And if you know who stands behind you, then you impact every area that you go into. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so we're going to talk about that today. I want to look at Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. So if you got your, your smartphone or your tablet or your stone tablet, or whatever version of the Bible you have with you today. Look up Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. Now, we're not going to get crazy today, all right? I'm not, we're not going to talk about like going to school and performing exorcisms, all right? I just want you to get that right now. Um, but it says, then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by Jesus who Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, he was a Jewish priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered them and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? My question to you today is, who are you? And how do you answer when you're asked who you are? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that your word is spirit to us, that it's life to us. God, I thank you today that as we open up your word, that it's not reliant on me. I thank you that you have chosen to use me in this purpose today. And so I yield my tongue to you. God, use it as you will. 
May the words be your words and not my words, so that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. We give you thanks, and we give you praise today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. James 1.22 says this, But be doers of the word, not hearers only. If you're hearers only, you deceive yourselves. Why do you deceive yourselves if you're a hearer only? Because if you think the Bible's going to work for you just because you sit in church every Sunday, then you're deceiving yourself. Be doer of the word, not just a hearer. Just hearing it doesn't do anything for you, but when you hear it, you believe it, you put it to practice in your life, then you grow and you see impact in your life. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like this, a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and he goes away and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, I love that right there because when it says the perfect law of liberty, this is the infallible, the 100% complete, the total Bible. He who looks into the perfected law that gives freedom. See, this isn't a law that brings bondage. This is Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law because he was made a curse for us and now the spirit of life lives in us. Amen? And so we have a new law, is what Paul said, that works in my members. There's a new law that works in me. And that law is brought about by grace. That law is brought about by the mercy of God. And so he says the perfected law that brings freedom. If you look into that law and you continue in it. See, this isn't something that we just wake up one day and you're like, man, I'm going to go all out for God. And so you go all out for God. And then you do that for three, four days. It's kind of like your New Year's resolution that you were going to work out. I mean, I don't know if anybody can relate. It's not like that. See, if we continue in it, we make it a habit. We make it a lifestyle in our life. We begin to grow in it and persevere and pursue Christ. Remember, this is freedom. It's not bondage. I'm not saying it's perfection because he's perfect. And if he's perfect and he resides in me, then I have perfection in me. And so as I stray away, maybe I get my eyes focused. Maybe I react like the way that I used to react that law is not the law that I live by anymore. Amen? I live by the law of God. He said, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it, and he's not a forgetful hearer, but he's a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Amen? Praise God. So as we look into the Bible, the Bible shows us a picture of who we are. It shows us a picture of what God has made us to be. And so when I'm asked who I am, I answer by what the Bible tells me that I am. Has there ever been a time, if we're just being honest, we like to be real around here, right? Right? I mean, I, I, like, I don't like to be fake. There's been a lot fakeness going, is that the right word, fakeness? Fake, there's been a lot of fakeality going on 
<laughs> going on in church. And I'm just over that in my life. I mean, here I am. This is what I am. This is who I am. And God's working on me. Amen? Praise God. I've been redeemed. I've been bought by the blood. I've been transformed. Sometimes it takes a little bit to get what's in here outside. Amen? Praise God. What well, says here that if you're a doer of the word, not a hearer only, that you'll be blessed in everything that you do. Is there ever a time where you react differently than what the Bible says you are? Is there ever a time when you feel differently than what the Bible says you are? See, sometimes we would use that as an occasion to get discouraged. Sometimes we would use that as an occasion to feel bad about ourselves or think that we're less. I want to show you in the Bible a guy who felt the very same way. In the book of Judges, and we're going to read some in here, Judges chapter 6, just the beginning of this story. We meet a guy named Gideon. Some of you have heard of this guy and some of you haven't, and that's okay. I'm going to tell you about him. This guy named Gideon was a pretty special guy in the Bible. In fact, he had a very large part in bringing about freedom to his entire nation. But when we first meet Gideon, you wouldn't think much of him at all. Right here, it says when we start the story in verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak tree, which was at Ophrah. And if I mispronounce words right here, guys, don't act like you know how to pronounce them. All right? Because I'm, I probably pronounced it wrong, but you probably do too. And maybe you say it different. Tomato, tomato, all right? It's whatever. So this is Ophrah, and it's not Oprah because it has a PH. And so we're not giving away cards today. This is Ophrah. It says that he sat under an oak tree, which was at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, or Abizarite, I don't know how you say it, Abizarite, starts with an A, good dude, all right? It says, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. So I'm going to break this down for a minute because we can learn a whole lot about who Gideon is and how he saw himself just from these first, this first verse right here. Let's go back. It says, the angel of the Lord, he came and sat under the oak tree. Now, when I think of an oak tree, and why did, why did he even mention oak tree right there? I don't know why he even mentioned that there was an oak tree. He sat under the oak tree. It was the oak tree at Ophrah. Anytime that I think about when you've got like one tree that's like a landmark, what, this is an old tree, right? This is a tree. You don't say, like, so my, my parents planted some trees. I could even say this. I planted a peach tree. I talked about it, was it last week? I talked about my peach tree. I planted a peach tree. Let's use this. I planted this peach tree, what, three years ago? I didn't even plant it. You planted it. You planted a peach tree like three years ago. Let's not, let's not deflect credit right here. Tiffany, let's get real. We're not being fake here. <laughs> Tiffany planted a peach tree. Now, nobody comes over, and they're like, where's Jason's house? Oh, it's right beside that peach tree. 
Why? Because the peach tree is about this tall. She ran over it with the car yesterday. We're, let's be real. My, my truck battery died yesterday. It was parked. Tiffany's car was parked. We didn't have much room. Um, couldn't push. Anyway, it's a long story. She's trying to get the car out. Takes out a plant on the side. It was a little bit of a rough morning, you guys. Um, Jesus is still good. Amen? Got the truck taken care of. It's all good. Might have to jump it after church. Don't know. We're going to find out, okay? Bought one of those cool little portable things. It goes. It's awesome. All right. So this is a substantial oak tree, this big old oak tree, old landmark oak tree. This is important. Substantial. It belonged to Joash. This was Joash's oak tree. That word Joash, it means Jehovah God is fire. See, we're building this story right here. Because it starts out with this oak tree that's substantial. Sitting in the middle of a meadow is how I picture it. And this big old huge oak tree, it's big around. It's, it's withstood all kinds of like wind and, and rain. And, and it has just ran through the ringer. But this oak tree has stood. And it belonged to a guy whose name literally means God is fire. Then it says that he belonged to the family, the Abyssalites. Now that word means those who have come to help. So I want you to picture this. Gideon belonged to a family whose name was the God of fire has come to bring help. And this family was so established. This family was so cemented in society where people have looked to them for a long time. They were strong. They had withstood challenges in their lives. There have been hard times, but you know who's still standing at the end of hard times? It was Joash's family, Gideon's family. It was the Abyssalites that still stood whenever everything else fell. They even maintained this oak tree because there was a time when the oak tree was just barely growing, but they persevered. And now they are strong and they are substantial and they are there cemented in what they are called to do. And his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine press. Hold on, hold on. You've got this family that is God means fire, and we've got this guy who is the heir to this family that is so revered, yet he's so scared that he's doing his job in hiding in the wine press. The wine press was a deep, concrete, fortified vault where they would press grapes for wine. But he was threshing wheat in there because he was scared. He was hiding from the Midianites. Why? Because the Midianites had oppressed Gideon's people, God's people, for seven years. Seven years. That word Midianites means one who brings conflict and judgment. Somebody who was bringing conflict and judgment all the time to you. What do you do? If you have those influences in your life, you see people, you do everything you can to avoid them, right? 
They make you feel this big. They make you feel terrible. They're always hating on you about something. Nothing you do is ever good enough. They make your blood boil. You see them in the grocery store, you go the other way because you don't even want to deal with it. This is what Gideon was doing here. He was hiding in the wine press because Gideon didn't know who he was. Gideon didn't know that he belonged to a family that God is fire and he's come to help. Gideon wasn't fulfilling his purpose. He wasn't helping anybody. Gideon was allowing those who bring conflict and judgment to have a greater influence than his God. How many times do we do that? We allow those voices in our life to speak louder. How many times can your day turn like that? You're having a great day and somebody says something and now you're having the worst day of your life. Why? Because you allowed somebody who brings conflict and judgment into your life to have more of an influence than what God is saying about you. Stop. Verse 12. That was only the first verse, you guys. That was number one. First verse. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. What? <laughs> the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Where? Did you not see where I am right now? I'm hiding. I'm, I'm tucked away. I'm hiding in the wine press because I'm scared to death of these people that have been oppressing my people, and I can't do anything about it, and I'm hiding. God just shows up, and he says, you're a mighty man of valor. Why? Because God will always call you by how he sees you, not how you see yourself. Who was Gideon? A mighty man of valor. That's who he was. Gideon was a mighty man of valor. So Gideon said to them, oh, if you want to open up this can of worms, I want you to listen to this. So if the Lord is really with us, then why is this happening to us? If the Lord is really with us, why is this happening? Where's all the miracles that our fathers told us about? He says, our fathers told us, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us. Has anybody ever felt that way? If we're just being real and honest today, has anybody ever felt when you're going through a trial, the Lord has forsaken me? I mean, let's be real today because God can't bless who you pretend to be. He's got to bless the real you. And so let's, let's say this is where I'm at today. This is where I, I'm, you know what, I, I, I'm here, but I don't want to stay here today. So let's be real. Let's locate ourselves. Maybe you feel that way right now. I'm going through a trial today. You're like, man, what does this have to do with back to school? I'll get there. Just give me a little bit. He says, the Lord has forsaken us, and he delivered us to the hands of the Midianites. What Gideon was failing to see is that the Lord did show up right then, right there. And he said, I've called you to be the freedom. Sometimes we're complaining too much to see that God's trying to use us to bring about the answer. See, we've got to stop allowing our current situation form our view of what God is doing or not doing in our life. Because we've got to remember that his word is truth and his word will not return unto him void. So if he has spoken, then it will accomplish the thing that he has sent it to do. Verse 14, then the Lord turned to him I like it how God did not even address all of that whining that Gideon did. He says, 
okay, so go in this might that you have. <laughs> he reminds him, I called you mighty. So go in the might that you have. And you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And so Gideon says to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. That was just a lie that the enemy had been feeding him. Because that's not what his name means. His name means the God of fire has come to help. But he says, we're the weakest. That was his perception. Because the enemy had fed him lies, 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 and that's what he thought about himself. But then the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and I will defeat the Midianites as, as one man. As one man. Now we go on, and Gideon, and I'm not going to talk about this today because I don't have a lot of time to do that. But Gideon goes on and he says, all right, well, I want you to prove it to me. And, and he puts out a fleece. And there's been a lot of, if you've been in church for, for a little while in your life, you may have heard messages on, on a fleece. And, and I believe that Gideon, God was meeting Gideon where he was at right then. And Gideon said, this is what I have to have for you to prove it to me. And so he did. And he used that. Now, I don't think, again, that that was God's best, that that was where Gideon was at, and there was no shame in that. Gideon said, this is where I'm at. I need you to prove it. And so he put out a fleece, and the dew came on the fleece, and, and God showed that he, was, that he was faithful because his presence rained down. And then he said, well, I want to I do it again where I, I put it there, and, and, and there's not dew on it, and then there wasn't dew on it, and God, God provided then. He showed up to Gideon. I believe that just like in the story of Gideon, sometimes we get in the middle of the battle and we get scared and we forget who we are. We forget who God has made us. We see in the story of Gideon that he goes on and he calls his people and, and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of men that are ready to fight with him. And, and God says, no, 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 bro, you have too many men. I don't know how you can have too many when you're going into a war. He's like, you have too many. Why? Because it was by God's hand, not by his hand. And so he said, anybody who's scared, I want you to go away. And about half the army left. So he's left with a few thousand. And he's like, okay, we can do this with these guys. Let's whip them into shape. And God says, no, you still have too many. So I want you to go down to the river. And I want you to have them get a drink. And anybody who cups it and picks up the water like this and drinks you're going to send home. And the ones that get on all fours and they lap up the water like a dog, those are the guys you're going to fight with. Okay. He ends up with about 300 guys that he's going to go and fight this army that has oppressed them for seven years. And then God gives them a new way to fight. So they go and they surround the camp and they're secretive about it and they wait till all the guys get good and drunk while they're in the middle. And then... They have these pots and they break the pots and make a lot of noise and then they hold up a candle and they shout the name of the Lord and these guys freak out because they think they're surrounded. They are, but it's only 300 people and they all start running around and they killed each other. Read it. It's a good story. I'm telling you that God had already provided the victory to them. Gideon just needed to remember who he was. He just needed to walk in in the favor that he had. 
Acts chapter 19, again, it says, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought about from his, from his body to the sick. And the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. And some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus who Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did this. And the evil spirits answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? They had a moment right there. There was nothing, they weren't doing anything wrong. They were going about freeing people. But they didn't have a revelation of who God had made them. And so they stood up and they were ready to take on the world. See, I believe this. That as the world gets darker and darker and darker, that the power of God gets brighter and brighter and brighter. That there's a clear difference between those who follow God and, and, and those that are without Him. And students and teachers and staff, why do we need you? We need you to be bright. But if you go in there and you don't know who you are, these guys right here, they went to cast out the demons. The demon challenged them. Then it says, the man in whom the evil spirit was in leaped on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them, and they ran away. See, the thing about it is, when we go into a dark place, when we go into battle, maybe you have all the good intentions in the world, but if you are not known, and if you don't know that you're known, if you don't know that you're known in heaven, if you don't know that you have the power of God behind you as you're backing, as you're moving forward, if you don't know that the Holy Spirit resides within you, you may stand up, and if you stand up and you are challenged and you don't know who's got your back, you'll be eaten alive. But I believe this that God has given us the equipment on the inside of us that just like Gideon, we may not know, but I'm here to tell you today that God has raised you up for such a time as this, that he has placed in you his plans and his purposes, that he's called you to be the head and not the tail. He's called you to be above and not beneath, that you are more than a conqueror through him who has loved you. And the scripture tells us that God in Psalm 37, verse number 17, the arms of the wicked may be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Amen? Hallelujah. We can stand today in confidence because I know that I'm known. I know that I'm known. And so when the enemy comes, I can stand up and say, no, 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 I'm not going to stand for this because I know that I'm known. And when I'm challenged... And the enemy may come and he may say, well, Jesus, we know. Paul, we know. Who are you? I have an answer. I have an answer. 
Because I may not be known in darkness yet, but I'm known in heaven. And if I'm known in heaven, I can stand up and I can say, oh, you know who I am? I'm a blood-bought child of the living God. That's who I am. I've been chosen for this. I was made for this. So bring it. Because you're not just fighting me. I, I'm, you're fighting him. You're fighting him. And what am I doing? I'm just saying what he's told me to say. I'm just doing what he's told me to do. I'm just standing up. I'm just loving people. Sometimes we think taking a stand means just kicking and screaming a lot. I believe taking a stand is showing a better way. Let's show a better way. Let's show a way through love. Let's show that God so loved this world that he gave his only begotten son. See, the powers of darkness, they want you to feel unloved. They want you to feel hopeless. They want you to feel lost. They want you to try and find these answers and all these other avenues. See, this attack right now that we're facing in our country, and it goes all the way to our school systems as well. This attack that we're facing, it's not about these individual little things that we get stuck on. It's about the power of darkness trying to root out the power of love. But we're going to overtake it because there's a fear. <laughs> there's a fear in our country right now. There's a fear on both sides of any spectrum that you want to look at. There's a fear. But the scripture tells us that perfect love drives out fear. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you a story here about guy named Joseph, and we're going to close with these thoughts. And that's relative because this is half, at least, of my message, all right? But it's last. When, when we meet Joseph in the Scripture, he's one of 12 sons. He's got 11 brothers. And Joseph was his dad's favorite. I heard somebody say that every parent has a favorite, but that favorite varies depending on the situation. Usually the one I'm talking to is the favorite. This guy had 12, but it was clear that Joseph was his favorite. His brothers resented that. In fact, his dad gave him a, a coat, uh, it was a coat of many colors and he gave it to him and it was very special and he didn't give anybody else one and so they resented that fact Joseph was a dreamer and so one day he had this dream and he tells his brothers hey guess what, I had this dream where like I was on this throne and y'all were all bowing to me <laughs> that didn't go over very well he was the youngest and his dad's favorite and he's like one day y'all are all going to bow to me they start getting jealous and they decided to take him and they even thought about killing him but they threw him in a pit he was in the pit for a little while and the oldest brother that he kind of stood up for him Reuben was gone and they were all looking around they were like you know what there's this carnival traveling through town. I bet we could get some money for Joseph. 
Anybody ever thought about selling your brother and sister? Brother or sister? <laughs> wonder what I could get for them. Well, they did it. These guys did it. It was a different time then. You're not going to get very far if you do that, right? These guys, they sold their brother, Joseph. And so Joseph, he goes to Egypt, and he was purchased from the people in the, in the carnival, in the traveling group. He was purchased by uh, a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was affluent. He was a big man in town, businessman. And Joseph began to work in his house. He was a slave. And the Bible says that in Potiphar's house, God was with him. In Potiphar's house, God was with him. This is a bad situation. He's away from his family. He's been sold. He was bought by this dude. He's a slave working for this guy. But God was with him, and he had favor on his life. Well, then... Potiphar's wife comes and decides that she thinks Joseph looks pretty hot in his tunic. And he doesn't even have the coat of many colors anymore. But I bet he has some really fly shoes on, is my guess. So they thought he looks really good, Potiphar's wife. And so she starts flirting with him. And he's like, whoa, you're a, you're a married woman. I'm not about this life. She didn't like that very much, and so a few days go by, and she starts flirting with him again, and he's like, no, I told you before, I'm not going to betray my master, and he runs out of the house. Well, she really hated that, and so she screams, and when they come in there, she said, he tried to have his way with me, but I screamed, and then he ran away because he got scared. Now, that's not what happened at all. Somebody was lying about him, and he got thrown in prison. I thought you said that he had a call of God on his life and that God was with him. I, I did. I did. So, so far, this guy had a call of God on his life. He was favored by God in the mansion, yet he was still taken from a place of slavery, but at least he was in the house and he was thrown in prison. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 39 verse 21 that Jesus was Jesus that Joseph was known in prison it says because the Lord was with him and showed mercy and gave him favor Joseph was known in prison I believe he was known in prison because he was known in heaven amen sometimes you may feel like the season that you're in is a prison but you're known in prison because you're known in heaven. And the favor of the Lord is still on you, just like it was on Joseph. So there was these two guys. There was a baker and, and there was a butler. And these two guys used to work for the king, and they had gotten thrown in prison as well. And so one day they have these dreams, and, and Joseph's like, oh, I have this thing where I interpret dreams. And he began to interpret the dream. Well, those dreams came to pass. And the butler gets out, and he says, well, I'm going to remember you. When I get out, I'm going to remember you, and I'm going back to work for the king, and I'm going to tell Pharaoh, the king, all about you so that you can get out of here. Well, what happened? Immediately, he goes out, and he forgets Joseph. So Joseph's still sitting in prison. 
but he's still favored. He's still sitting in prison, but he's still known. We can look around at all these people as our answer and as our Savior, but we're still known. And they may let us down, but, we, we're, but we're still known. And so one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And he has this dream about seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, and the seven skinny cows eat the seven fat cows. And he's like, this is crazy. I can't get it out of my mind. So he calls everybody together. He's like, I had this dream. I need you to interpret it, and nobody can. And then the butler remembers. Why? I don't think it was a coincidence. I think it's because Joseph was known in heaven. So he has this, he says, I got this guy, he was in prison with me, but I don't want you to hate on him because he's a really great guy and he shouldn't have even been in there in the first place. I heard his story and, and uh, I want you to give him a shot. And so Pharaoh gives him a shot and they call for Joseph. And Joseph comes and he begins to talk to the king, begins to talk to Pharaoh and he says, look, here's, here's what it means. It means that you're going to have seven years of plenty and then you're going to have seven years of famine. And if you don't take care of the stuff in the seven years of plenty, then you're going to have a really hard time and your whole country will in the seven years of famine and that's what this means and Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph that he said I'm going to make you number two in command I'm going to make you number two in command because Joseph was known by God he was known when he was in the pit and God's favor was on him when it looked hopeless he was known when he was sold he was known when he was in Potiphar's house and people were lying about him and he was in terrible situations. He was known and God's favor was on him. He was known in prison and he had favor with the guards and he had favor with the prisoners and God used him to perform mighty things but that wasn't God's purpose for him because remember he was supposed to be sitting in the chair and people bowing to him and people coming to him and have a leadership position but how could he lead because he was in the prison? How could he lead from the pit? How could he leave from slavery? He was known. He was known in heaven. Because even though man forgot about him, God never forgot about him. And maybe you're in your life right now and you think, well, I'm in a season of a pit. Or I'm, I'm in a season, maybe you think I'm getting ready to go into school and I feel like I'm just, I'm in a pit. Or I feel like I'm a slave to these thoughts. Or I feel like I'm a slave to this addiction. Or I feel like I'm a slave to this depression. Or I feel like, but you're known. And even, even in the middle of the pit, and even in the middle of the slavery, and even in the he was known. And God didn't forget him. And now he's number two in command. And so they gather up all this food, and Joseph is leading the charge. And he's walking in the favor that God has given him. And when the famine comes, they've got food, and they begin distributing the food. And then his brothers come because they need food. And they go before him, and they didn't even recognize him, but they bow before him. Guys, I could unpack this thing. I think it's going to have to be a series at some point instead of a minus nine minutes that I have right now. Joseph was known. And they bowed before him. In Genesis 41, verse 39. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Inasmuch as God 
has shown you all this. There is no one as discerning and as wise as you. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in one regard to the throne will I be greater than you. He was second. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took off the ring off of his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he clothed him in garments. See, one, one coat he had taken from him, and God gave him a better one. He put him in garments and fine linens and put a gold chain around his neck. But we see in Exodus chapter 1, that later on there was a king who did not know Joseph. Joseph had gone, and everything was great, but then there was a king that did not know Joseph. There was a king who was separate from the things that God had done. He didn't know Joseph. And so he began to oppress the people of God. And then came a guy named Moses. Because there was a whole bunch of people that even though the king didn't know Joseph, they knew Joseph, but they didn't know their position. And so they were oppressed. But then there was a guy named Moses who was, was radically affected by God at a bush that was burning that wasn't consumed. And God began to talk to him out of that bush. And he said, I want you to go and free my people because I'm here to tell you that even though there was a king that didn't know Joseph and even though there was a whole group of people that was not operating in the way that Joseph had taught them to operate by the hand of God, there was one guy who God picked out that said, y'all may have forgotten about Joseph, but I still know him. I still know him. He's still known in heaven. And my people are not going to be oppressed. And so he raised up Moses to be the deliverer. And they walked into the promised land. And then he raised up Joshua. And then he raised up prophets. And then he raised up kings. And then he raised up people to carry on the message. And then he brought Jesus to be the lamb that was slain even before the foundations of the world so that the descendants of Abraham would not just be this race of people, but there would be physical descendants and spiritual descendants of Abraham. And today we walk in the same blessings of Joseph because he was known and God still hasn't forgotten him and I am known and you are known in heaven so when you walk out of this place and you're a student and you walk on campus you're known you're known by God and you're a teacher and you step into that classroom you're known by God this morning I texted school administrators and I said, we're praying for you today. I want you to know that we stand behind you and we support you and that you're known by God. I want you to hear his voice clearly and loudly because you're known. Today, we're going to pray over students, and you know, I, I went back and forth of how I was going to do this, and um, 
If you could come up here, but can you grab those pencils back there? This is the way I want to do it. So, got to find, I think it rolled away. I had a pencil. She can hand me another one. I told you we were going to come back from the, to this verse in Acts chapter 19. There it is. Acts chapter 19, verse 11. It says, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the disease left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. As I was reading that, it didn't really go so much with my, my message and my point, but God just kept making that jump off the page to me. And I was talking to, to Dylan about it, and he said, I think we need to give everybody a pencil. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Everybody needs a pencil. But he said, no, I think we need to give everybody a pencil, and I think we need to pray over it. Not like a word of life pencil or anything like that. This is just a, it's a standard, it's a standard pencil. Yellow eraser, classic pencil. I think we need to give people pencils and I think that as we pray over them that they carry the anointing of God. Now, this isn't because I'm special or we prayed for these as a staff and with our leadership team before we, we came in here this morning. And it's not because any of us are special at all. I mean, it's because the power of God is flowing through us to this, and that's his choosing, not ours. So this is transformed from, a, from an ordinary pencil to, to something that's extraordinary. I want to bring out a couple of things about this that God began to show me as I prayed on it. First of all, it's a number two pencil. Now, number two, that's the, that's the standard pencil, right? When you go to take a test and teachers can attest to this, you've got to have that number two pencil. I've never known what would happen if you used like a number one pencil on that Scantron or a number three. Or do they even make those? I don't know, but this is a... It's a number two pencil. Last week we talked about the standard. It says, the scripture says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. And I believe that there's a new standard that he's lifted up. And that new standard is his son. And so the enemy can come in like a flood. Teachers, students, the enemy can come in and attack you like a flood, but you have a standard on the inside of you. And I believe that, that this is a symbol that there's a new standard, that there's a new way of living, that there's a new thought that's not the same way because God's thoughts are higher than your thoughts and his ways are higher than your ways. Albert pointed that, this out to me and I loved it. He said it's a number two pencil because he's one, you're two. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. You know what these are used for? They're used for writing, right? You use a pencil to, to write. The scripture tells us in the book of Habakkuk that we write the vision. 
that God has placed for us, that we make it plain so that when we read it, we can run with it. I believe that these pencils, as you take them, students, teachers, staff, as you take them, as you pass them on, that they're used as God has written the vision on your heart, they're used to get his creativity that's on the inside of you, out of you, that they're used for purpose. I believe that these are instruments of vision, that they're instruments of purpose for you. I believe that these pencils, they're used to gain understanding. The scripture tells us my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, but you're using these pencils to gain understanding so that you can grow. Two things I find very interesting about the makeup of a pencil. First of all, this pencil is sharpened. Not all of these pencils are sharpened because it's a lot of pencils and we just had like this, I'm telling you. This pencil right here, it's, it's not sharpened, it's dull, it's not going to do you any good. But when you sharpen it, it becomes powerful. But once you take this one and you use it for a little bit, it's going to get dull. But when it gets dull, you don't have to throw it away. You can just sharpen it again. Sometimes in our life, guys, we get dull sometimes. But just because you get dull doesn't mean that you're thrown away. You just got to be sharpened. You know what this is for? right here, church, the body of Christ, community, is to sharpen us. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. Hallelujah. The makeup of a pencil right here, the little pink thing at the end, right? The eraser. Because sometimes, even with all the power that's right here in this pencil, that we can write vision and we can gain understanding and all the stuff, sometimes we make a mistake and we mess up. Well, when you make a mistake, isn't it good to know that you have all the tools to wipe that away and start fresh again? Amen. Hallelujah. It's right there. It's right there. You don't have to give up on it. Just erase it. Just erase it because Jesus has washed away my sins and I have a fresh start in Christ. Students, when you come up here, we're going to pray over you in a minute. Staff, faculty. If you're, uh, if you're teaching in homeschool, private school, public school, as we pray for you, what I want you to do is I want you to receive what the Spirit of God is trying to say today. Now, by receiving, what do I mean by this? I don't mean you have to do anything like reach out and grab. If this is just a simple God, I'm open. And I'm taking what you have for me. The whole time we were, I'm laughing at myself, the whole time we were praying out there, I was holding, um, I was holding this pencil. Tony said, this is the most prayed for pencil because we passed around the pencils, but I never let go of mine. This is the, the, the special pencil, I guess, because it was prayed for more than any other one, not because I was holding it. But, um, but now I've got this one, and I'm like doing this whole like nunchuck thing as I'm, as I, I kind of like this. I think I, need, I think I need some nunchucks as I preach. I'd be a ninja turtle. You guys, I want you to take what God has for you today. I believe that he has something special for every one of you. I believe that this year is a year of victory. 
man, the enemy's coming hard. He's coming in like a flood. That's all right. I'm not scared of the flood. I'm not scared of the flood at all. Because he's caused us to rise above. So I don't want you to get discouraged. I don't want you to, 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 become, um, to become in despair in your hearts. Students, I want you to know that you're known. Teachers, I want you to know that you're known. Staff, administrators, know that you're known. That you've got all of heaven that stands behind you. And we've got a reminder that carries the anointing of God. When you hand these out, I don't expect you to tell people the story. You know why it says two? Just be led by God. If he opens a door, do it. If he doesn't, it still carries the power of God. We prayed over it. Amen. We don't have to push anything. God's not pushy. You just live. Just live it. Just live Jesus. So I'm going to start by praying for our students today. So if you're a student, kindergarten, all the way through senior in high school, and we'll pray for, if we have any college students, we'll pray for those separate. So if you're in, in school, kindergarten, elementary school, junior high, high school, I want you to, to just come up here. Amen. Praise God. Hayden, can you help us with handing out the uh, pencils? Yes, ma'am. And Dylan, will you help us pray today? I know that you're on camera, but if you guys could kind of line up so I can walk a little bit, and that would be awesome. We'll hand them out when we're done. I'm sorry. It's my fault. But you can keep yours. Love it, dude. Ethos pumping. All right. Good. Amen. Praise God. Tony, I know who I'm giving this to. Just thought I'd let you know. All right, guys. So what I want you to do is you're going to stand here, and when I'm coming to pray for you, I'm going to walk by, and I'm going to lay my hands on you. I'm going to use Connor as an example because he's my kid. I'm just going to come, and I'm going to lay my hands on you. And guys, my hands aren't special at all. They're just chosen by God for this purpose at this time right now, okay? And so what this means when I lay my hands on you is the Bible tells us that the power of God comes from heaven through the inside of us because the Holy Spirit is in us and then it comes out to you. So I believe that as I do this, that there's a special power of God that's going to go into your life, okay? And what he's doing is he's giving you a special grace, a special ability, his special favor that's going to be on you this year so that you have the best year that you've ever had. Amen? And when we say amen, it just means I agree with what you just said. And so if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Praise God. God, we thank you for these. God, we thank you for the ones that you have chosen to go out and to be a light into your world. God, we pray for strength. We pray for hope to rise up in Jesus' name. God, where things are dark, that they be a light. 
We bind the spirit of discouragement on them. We bind the spirit that would cause them to get aggravated and frustrated. And, but we speak peace over them in the name of Jesus. God, we honor you today. We give you thanks today for these lives that you have chosen. Reach out your hand. God, we thank you today that you've given them a purpose that's bigger than us, that's bigger than them. God, that your, your ways and your, 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 your statutes and your precepts would grow in them in Jesus' name. God, that, that even as they go to school, they would hear your voice and they would feel your influence and feel your power on them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we glorify you. We honor you today because you're such a good God, because you love us so very much. And you love them. And you love their classmates. God, give them opportunities to share you and to share your love. God, give them ways and the words to say and the way to act. And as they live Jesus, that people are drawn to them. God, we glorify you. We give you honor. And we give you praise today in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we give you glory today. Hallelujah. Alright, let's get you guys some pencils. These are powerful, you guys. I believe that. I believe that. Hey, do me a favor. Right, right, right after church, all parents, right after church, we're going to gather around. We're going to take one picture, okay? Just real fast. So if you can stay that long. Yeah, just right here. We'll take it right here. Okay. Uh, school employees, staff, teachers, administrators, on any level, invite you to come up. I believe that they came up. So, okay, good. You can go in this one. Go in this one. All right. So school, staff, employees, administrators, and, uh, and if you're a college student and you did not come up, then come up at this time. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Guys, one thing that I did as I was praying there, right at the end, I began to pray in an unknown tongue. Now, we, we spent about seven weeks or so just recently on the Holy Spirit and praying on the Holy Spirit's influence. Let's scoot this way, just a touch. We, we prayed, uh, we, we taught on the Holy Spirit and when I'm praying in a heavenly prayer language, God is praying through me. I don't know the words that I'm saying, but God does. And I believe that when I do, God says that he picks up where we're weak and prays through us. And so there are situations and circumstances that I don't know. I don't know what you're going through in regards to starting school, but I also don't know situations that may arise during school. But when I pray in an unknown tongue, because God knows the end from the beginning, then I'm praying for that specific situation. And so it's important that when we don't know how to pray, that we pray in an unknown tongue. And so that's why I did that today. Guys, I'm super proud to have people that 
have answered the call to go into the classroom and go into administration and it's tough. It's tough. But I believe that God has placed you in these positions to be a light that shines. I believe that he's placed you to make influence, to change things. You know, it's been well said that sometimes we're the only Jesus that somebody's going to see and I think that's so very true in school. And so, even though you may not be standing on a platform, you're preaching every day through what you do. Father God, I just pray for these now in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for their heart that you have placed on the inside of them. God, that as they encounter students, God, that your power would rise up in them and you would give them words to say that are even beyond their natural wisdom to be able to help students. God, we thank you today that you've not left us alone, but you've called us to something greater. And we call greater forth in the name of Jesus. We call greater forth in Jesus' name. As those opportunities arise, God, that the great counselor that's on the inside of us begin to counsel to those students. God, we speak to situations and circumstances that arise during the year and we bind the spirit of discouragement. We know there's a lot of uncertainty and there's rapid changing, but we bind the spirit of discouragement. We speak wisdom, we speak peace in the name of Jesus. God, we pray for our school board and we pray for school administration. We pray for our superintendent, Dr. Washburn, and we pray for Deputy Superintendent, Ms. Shan. And all of the administration, as they're making decisions, God, that affect our students, that affect our community, as they're balancing things that are coming from the state level, God, that you're leading and guiding them by your spirit, in the name of Jesus, that your voice is heard strongly in Jesus' name. God, we pray. We pray for our governor, Governor Lujan Christian. God, we pray for our public education department. God, that your wisdom be on them as they try to navigate the decisions of the day. That as the enemy begins to come in and try to disrupt that, God, your plans and your purposes are heard clearly. And that there is influence in the halls of our capital and of PED. Guys, I was told this week, not this week, I was told recently by a couple of state legislators they said 
But they were thinking and talking and couldn't remember the last governor that would walk the halls of the roundhouse and pray. And they named one governor that has been some time back and said, I know that, that he did. And then they said, so we started doing it. Walk in the halls of the roundhouse and, and pray. I've walked the, round, walls of the, the halls of the roundhouse and prayed. I think one of the most powerful times, I was waiting on a meeting and it was about midnight. <laughs> there was nobody in there. And I just walked and I prayed. Begin to lay hands on the walls, on the furniture. I want you to know we have people praying. There are people praying. There are people that are seeing a shift. I want you to be those people that are praying. I want to challenge you that as you drive by our schools this year, pray. As you drive by our administration building downtown, pray. Pray. Because prayer works. That's how we started this year in January. We're talking about prayer. Prayer works. Guys, go in anointing. Go in the power of God. We support you. We love you. There's things that arise. Let us know what we can do to help. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Oh, did all y'all get pencils? You need to get them. And the leftover, we want to make sure that everybody had one pencil, but the leftover pencils, you guys, take them as you leave. Like, grab a few because we want you to hand them out. Guys, we're going to close with this song called The Blessing. And I want you to gather up your family. We're going to pray a blessing over you. We're going to sing a blessing over you. We're going to close with this today, and I believe there's power in it today. May his favor be upon you to a thousand generations. Your family, your children, their children, their children. As we start this song, I want to say that if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to come to know him. You can go ahead and start it. I want you to come to know him. I'm going to pray a prayer right as we start. And that's the first blessing. If you've never received Jesus into your life, I want to invite you to do that. Just say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you died for me and I believe that you rose again and I ask you to come into my life because I need your help. God, I thank you that you haven't given up on me but you sent me help. In Jesus' name. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we want to hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. 
Once again, thank you for joining us and remember that God is madly in love 